Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over in life or in business, all walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down, stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Here's your host, Tracy Winchell. I'm so glad you're here for episode R058 of the Reboots Podcast. I'm Tracy Winchell, and today we're going to talk about trauma, big T trauma and little t trauma. Well, what's the difference? Well, the little t trauma is most often the types of events in our lives that we don't even recognize as trauma, and maybe we don't even realize that those things are holding us back in life. If you listen to our previous episode, R057, with organizational psychologist and best-selling author Dr. Benjamin Hardy, then you are already familiar with the idea that unprocessed trauma is often the reason we get stuck in the past. In that interview, Hardy quotes Dr. Peter Levine, who says, trauma is not what happens to you, it's what you hold inside in the absence of an empathetic witness. Well, this episode is a replay from a Facebook Live conversation with my dear friend Ada Floyd, where we talked about trauma, like how she's continually learning to process traumas like sexual abuse and the loss of her twin boys, Keaton and Caden. We also talked about her role as a therapist in helping her clients heal from trauma, as well as the types of therapy that can help us process trauma by rewiring neurological pathways that have been stuck because the trauma we've endured. So we recorded this episode on May 29th in the days following George Floyd's death in Minneapolis. So when you hear us talk about the heaviness of uh, the, the week that has transpired, that's what we're talking about. I hope you enjoy this episode, and uh, it's my earnest prayer that it helps you. So with that, let's get to it. Okay, we're live and live in the Reboots podcast, so welcome everybody. Uh, You probably met my friend Ada, and if you're Ada's friend and you're here, my name is Tracy. Glad you're here. We're going to talk a little bit about trauma, big T, little T, here in just a second. Kind of tell us a little bit about how your week is going. It's kind of a big week, isn't it? It's been a busy week, Uh, Memorial Day this this week was um nice got to spend some time with family um my son my 18 year old son is this is his last week at our home before he leaves for basic training uh next monday he he heads out for fort jackson so that's been kind of heavy i mean we're excited and and obviously very very proud of him um but between the sort of kind of graduation you know he he did finish school I don't really know if you count that as graduation or not there's no ceremony but um between that and then snowballing right into to him going into basic has been a whirlwind of emotion 
And then um, I've had a couple, one trip to Little Rock and another one this afternoon for my daughter for some health stuff that we're kind of uh, checking in on. And so, and that's just, just in my family life. <laughs> yeah. Of course, then the, you know, the whole career as a therapist and, you know, I was commenting to a fellow therapist today that um, we don't get a break. We don't get away. We don't, we don't stop hearing about COVID because we have to hold space for other people who are struggling with their own traumas with the pandemic, their own struggles with their race, their own struggles with everything else that's just naturally going on in their life. Um, and so when we start to feel overwhelmed, we have to take really good care of ourselves, but there's no pause button really. So just have yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a heavy week. Um, and uh, it, it, it's entirely possible that uh, my eyes might start leaking. And we were just talking about that it, it, before we went live. Um, uh, we, were, we were praying for, for all of this and, and <laughs> I already lost it. The first time I've had on mascara in a long time. And there's some of it right there. So. I contended for allergies acting up again. You're just allergic to sadness, that's all. <laughs> I, I think you're right. So, yeah. So, when we're talking about trauma, is what we're enduring now a trauma of some kind? Uh, you mean as far as the pandemic? All of this. All of the things this week. Um, yeah. The the. Everything that's happened in Minneapolis, um, you know, what there's just so much happening. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, we're in a weird time for I'm not going to use the word unprecedented because I think it's happened in history before. But for my lifetime, it's unprecedented for your lifetime. I think it is that we're actually experiencing a global trauma like literally the entire planet is affected by this pandemic. Every country has been affected. Um, so it's, it's this weird global thing that we all have, that we all share. Um, <clears throat> then you come closer to home and you look at what's going on nationally. And there's, you know, without getting into political debates of any, of any type, the uh, just the heaviness and the weight and the seriousness of events that are taking place in our nation right now um, and, and they're traumatic, not only for the people who are directly involved. Obviously, people living in Minnesota are deeply, you know, affected by this. My uncle uh, lives in Minneapolis in that area. And, you know, he had messaged me about Jacob and we were kind of chatting back and forth for just a second. And I'm like, how are you? Are you OK? Are you guys staying safe? Because his neighborhood, his, you know, his city is is really in upheaval right now and he's like yeah we're just keeping our heads down you know trying to stay safe um <clears throat> so i think it's it's fair to say though that it, it leaks out beyond those people in that community um i see people in my own community that are i don't know i don't i feel like the old term shell shock almost applies um like I've read an, uh, a thing this morning and uh, I haven't like really studied it enough to have it sort of cemented into my brain yet. But, you know, one of the terms that they were using was it, it applied to being like almost frozen in our in our shock. Like we're just sort of stuck. And, and I feel like that's where I am. Like, I know I need to do something. I know I need to speak up. I know I need to get involved. 
What do I do? <laughs> and so uh, what's interesting is I think a lot of people are feeling that because I keep seeing articles of like, oh, you want to do something? Here's something you can do. And so I've, I've collected a few of those to sort of um, sit with and read and, and sort of study to, to figure out the best approach. But yeah, I would say globally, we're in a pretty, a pretty heavy time. And I do think it's going to have a, a pretty strong ripple effect for generations. You know, one of the things I, I wrote this article um, several weeks ago, the 15 things I've learned about change. And one of the things that I've learned about change is that um, life doesn't slow down and wait for us to catch up. Like pandemic trauma on top of uh, weather related trauma doesn't seem fair, nor does racial unrest seem fair on top of all of that. And yet here we are. And there was a time in my life when that, that infuriated me. Can you just let me deal with this trauma instead of throwing me this trauma? And I was pretty furious with God when I met you. And the reason I met you is because I was pretty furious with God <laughs> because of the yeah. trauma that just kept happening and happening and happening and it doesn't matter how big or how small that trauma is right. trauma is trauma right is that kind of yeah. the point of the big t little t stuff that we talked about a year or so ago yeah that's i mean you're you're definitely hitting on it the uh and there's no formal like in a big pretty book kind of of differentiation there this is something that informally me i know several other therapists I learned it from my supervisor. So there's a lot of us who, who utilize this language just to sort of clarify some points. Um, <clears throat> when I'm talking about big T trauma, I'm talking about stuff that qualifies for PTSD. So car wrecks, um, uh, racial assault, or excuse me, I say racial, sexual assault. See where my brain is? Yeah. Although racial assault too, let's be honest, that would apply yeah. to uh, violent attacks, things like that. <clears throat> also being witnessed. To an event like that. So think about the person who's holding the phone and recording that recent event in Minneapolis. They also will experience big trauma or potentially could. And trauma isn't necessarily that you go through those events. It's your PTSD isn't whether or not you go through those events. It's whether or not it gets stuck. Does your brain process and file everything away or does it stay stuck in it? I've had a car wreck where because I was able to immediately talk about it and I processed it and I allowed my body to shake off all of those hormones and chemicals that flooded my system. It didn't get stuck and I did not get PTSD symptoms from it. I never had nightmares. I never had unwanted memories. I never had any of those symptoms. The wreck was still a trauma, but I didn't develop PTSD. So they're, they're not inter interchangeable terms, right? So, <clears throat> but things that we call big T are the ones that would potentially go in that PTSD category. What I think of as little T traumas are that comment that 12 year old made to you when you were in your bathing suit and feeling a little self-conscious and they made that comment about, you know, cause you're kind of a little chunky and here you are at 47 years old and you can't let go of that idea that you're still chunky because of what that one person's comment did to you. It's, um, it's, it's those little moments in life that to somebody else, they blow off and it's insignificant. But in this moment, it just jabs deep. Um, and it's not always words. It can be events that happen. Um, but again, they're not quite big enough to qualify for that. 
big key trauma. So we experience traumas all the time. Um, and, and in no way by calling it big T, little t, are we trying to diminish anything? It's just a, to differentiate between PTSD potentially and not PTSD potentially. But trauma, man, we call these touchstone memories. These are things that like get rooted in and now <clears throat> they affect how our brain interprets other things, right? So that comment by some teenager when I was little could potentially be the thing that now shapes me to feel like I'm unlovable or um, I'm never skinny enough. And so then out of that, other disorders could potentially grow. We get so used to the thoughts in our head. I do anyway. How do I, how do I even recognize that my brain is stuck in the middle of that trauma, whether it's months old or decades old? Like, how do I know that that tape playing in my head because of the trauma is a lie or may no longer be true? That's an excellent question because <clears throat> what is my, what is my conscience just speaking to me and what is, you know, a stuck trauma that's lying to me and how do I tell the difference? And well, I'm going to tell you, that's where you get a good therapist and you work through those things that by bit is. Um, if it's a real serious situation, because it is hard, it's really hard. But the the kind of rule of thumb that I use personally and that I, I encourage people to consider is the difference between conviction and condemnation. Is what you're hearing in your head criticizing and belittling you as a person? I don't think that that would be conviction. And you and I are faith-based people. And so I don't have to hold to the tenets of of you know, I do in therapy where I don't get to talk about faith. You and I come together through faith. That's what we connect with. So I get to use that when you and I are talking and say, God doesn't use condemnation. He doesn't make you feel bad about yourself to try to change who you are. He's not trying to, you know, uh, humiliate you into a change in behavior. He will convict your heart. He will make you very uncomfortable in a situation that maybe is not healthy so that you desire to change. And so sometimes my thoughts are, I need to do something. Sitting back and just putting an angry face on a few posts is not enough. I'm not acting. And by not acting, I'm contributing to the problem. Okay, that makes me uncomfortable. That makes my skin crawl. It hurts my heart. And that is conviction. I feel very distressed by those thoughts. But that's not a reflection of, I'm a bad person because of that. That's simply my inaction is in fact an action and I need to shape up. So alternately, if, if the voice inside my head is saying, you're such a piece of crap, you never do anything, you're useless, you don't even care about these people, well, now that's condemnation. And that's my old traumas speaking up and putting in their two cents. So, okay. Something broke inside me the other night, and you and I have talked offline about, about this. I mean, it was, it, if I could have found some um, ashes and sackcloth, I would have tried to do the whole lamentations thing and the repentance mm -hmm. thing. I was on my knees just in a ball of tears um, because it was a moment that, I realized 
I was making all kinds of excuses to not talk about racial inequity. Mm -hmm. And that's not on anybody else. That's on me. So that for me wasn't condemnation. That was conviction. And the interesting thing about that is that suddenly the resentment that I felt for so many other people on all sides of, let's just keep using the racial equation for now, I lost the resentment because people weren't where I was. People were where I used to be. So the resentment is gone because I can totally empathize with all sides of that. I know God is dealing with me. And so that's sort of a conviction truth versus me saying, Tracy, you're no good, you're useless. It's a, wait a minute, I've been wrong. I want to stop that. What do I do next? Is that kind of what you're talking about here with conviction versus? Condemnation. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, because you're getting angry in the right direction. You're not getting angry at other people for being broken people or not quite being where you are right now. You're having empathy because you remember being where they are and, and you understand the struggle of that. And so that empathy is good. That, um, that compassion is good because good old Ed Saucier, there's going to be at least one quote by Ed in every, in every one of our interactions, right? At least one. Um, you're never going to argue somebody to your point of view. If, you know, he, he told me that years ago, he said in his 30 plus at that time, years of, of being a, in the ministry, he said, I've never once argued somebody to my point of view. And that stuck with me. That really resonated that, you know, he's right. I'm not going to be able to do that. And so yelling and screaming at people in my life personally, isn't the right solution for me. That's, that's not going to get the effect or the, the, you know, the results that I want. So instead I'm going to come with empathy and I'm going to have an open heart and a willing heart to listen. Um, and it's just really important that, that we hear what they say, but just like you, you know, had told me about, and, and, you know, I both agree, we have to stand firm on our convictions and say, okay, I hear you. I respect you, but what you're saying is not okay. This is just not a negotiable point in my life. I will stand up for my brothers and sisters of color, and I will not apologize for that. And I will not water down my words to make you more comfortable. I'm sorry if that's what you need. I'll help you get where out of that place into a healthier one if you want, but I'm not going to back down from this. So there's that commitment to making that change and being you know, strong in it, but I don't have to yell that. I can say that with grace and with kindness. And hopefully that will lure people to explore um, something more rather than putting up their defensive walls and saying, I want nothing to do with you because you don't want to even listen to me. So where does all of this kind of fit in with, with, with trauma? Because like we're talking about a, a trauma and how we manage it. And we're, we're letting other people deal with their trauma and we're kind of helping them through it even as we deal with our trauma. 
like all that kind of fits in together, doesn't it? I mean, we don't like, do we ever fully heal from trauma or do we just learn to navigate it? Yes. <laughs> it depends. Um, maybe sometimes I got lots of these, like not really committal answers I can give you uh, because the truth is yes and no. Um, I have some traumas that I absolutely unequivocally will tell you I'm over it. It's, it's healed. It's passed. And it's no longer an issue in my life. Um, and that's some of my little T traumas, right? So it's that embarrassing thing that happened in fifth grade that I couldn't even bring myself to talk about, but I did the therapy, literally did EMDR for it. And now it's just like, that's a funny thing that happened to a fifth grader. It's okay. It's no big deal. And that does not affect me anymore. The sexual abuse, I think that's going to always be there in some form and fashion. And I'm always going to deal with some of the, the um, fallout of that, but it's not as intense. It's more manageable. I can recognize it 95% of the time and go, okay, that this reaction has to do with this trauma. This is not organic to who I am. And so now I know to confront it, to face it, to deal with it differently. Um, so yes, maybe sometimes both. So Patty actually has a, a, a specific question along that line. How do you let go of childhood traumas that still affect you? Is it letting go or is it learning to manage it? It's, uh, to me, it's learning to manage. I don't think that this concept of letting go is um, really as doable as we want. Um, it's kind of like, you know, we've talked about this in CR before, like defining what is forgiveness. Um, I think a lot of times, people get this misconception that forgiveness means that I'm like, la, 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 about something, or I've let it go, or I've forgotten all about it. And none of those are true. Forgiveness is about finding healing from my heart and, and getting rid of this resentment and anger. Um, and part of that process for me personally, and then I try to encourage um, clients toward, is finding what good can still be derived from that bad, right? So if I want to talk about healing childhood trauma, how did that childhood trauma positively impact my life? Okay, that's a heavy burden. Yeah. That is hard work. And that is not done lightly. And I don't mean that in a dismissive way at all. But it is literally what brought me peace and healing. I would not be in the therapist chair were it not for my childhood trauma. Were it not for my sexual abuse, I wouldn't be a therapist. I wouldn't be as good of one if I was. If it weren't for the death and the loss of my son, I wouldn't be a therapist because that's literally the turning point that changed my, my career path. So I have to look for how did this change me for the better? Or if it hasn't, how can it? What can I do to take hold of this and say no more? Is this going to shape me for the negative? How am I going to use this to make me a better person? Will it make me more compassionate? Will it make me kinder? And in no way does that dismiss the pain because I am still a broken person and I still deal with the fallout. My husband still deals with the fallout of my trauma. That's facts. That's reality. But less and less, the more I use that to help others, the less power it has over me. So it's not a box we check once. It's a box sometimes we check over and over, isn't it? Yeah, that was, if you'll remember about a year ago, <laughs> sitting in the coffee shop and me kind of losing my mind because here I was dealing with that same thing for the seventh year in a row. And I sort of was at my breaking point and I, and I did, I've gone to this 
really ugly, angry place of wanting to blast my abuser online and wanting to call him out and to identify him to every family member ever and like really heavy stuff for me. Um, and you just listen. You didn't try to tell me you can't do that or, or try to change me. You're just like, wow, what would that look like if you did? How would that play out? What maybe wouldn't be so good about that? And then you prayed and we prayed about it and I finished my inventory and on we went, you know, and I didn't, I didn't have to act on those ugly negative things because they weren't going to help me. But I, seven years into recovery, I still hit that wall once in a while of like, this isn't fair. Um, but that took me, you know, a good three years to come back to, and I'm not been back there since. And, you know, I'm in a really good, healthy place for it. So <clears throat> it's, it's not a one time and done thing, I'm afraid, uh, especially with the big ones. Sorry. It, we end up with frustration on top of frustration when we don't understand that we, it's a repeating, it's pretty often a repeating to do item because, and I, you've helped me through similar things. It's like, wait a minute. Um, I'm pretty frustrated that I'm dealing with this again. So there's the the pain of having to deal with it again. And then there's the frustration of having to deal with it again. It's like, can I just not make this a little easier on myself? <laughs> the answer is sometimes no. Wouldn't that be lovely though? I'm like, Okay. If I just do this little project and I just check these boxes and then I'm going to walk away, stop free, all done. It would be lovely. And yet that's not reality. Yeah. Some of my little T traumas. Yes. Processed it. Did the work got the, you know, got the negative cognition uprooted and out of my life and put the, the truth in its place and it's done. I'll probably never need to revisit some of those little things ever again, but the big stuff. Yeah, I'm afraid so because it's just, yeah, think about how much of a ripple effect that has. Right. And, and that's why I'm really careful when I talk about little T traumas that some of those have some pretty profound ripple effects too. So Maybe my fifth grade experience is a one and done, but say Mason's, you know, my husband's fifth or sixth grade one time experience, little T trauma isn't a one and done. That may be, you know, one of the voices in his head that he has to combat frequently and come back to. So it's, it's different for every person in every situation, but that's why I say, yeah, sometimes it is a one and done. Others, you got to really, you got to really be committed to this is a, a change in lifestyle. You know, we've talked about that with CR as well, that, you know, we go to CR not to just get fixed. And, and when, when we go to recovery thinking, I'll just work the 12 steps, mark the box, check, done, and move on with my life. Like I did when I first went to Al-Anon. I thought that was it. I did it. I'm done. I was sadly mistaken and obviously quite surprised when that didn't really work out for me. Um, it's a change in lifestyle. It's a commitment to a healthier way of thinking. And we need to be constantly connected and reminded to that to, um, to maintain it because it doesn't come naturally to most of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we can't do it alone. Like I thought I could do God alone. I thought I could do life alone. And it, we see how well that worked out. Yeah, no, it's not a, it's not a solo game. God didn't create us to be, you know, in individualistic creatures. He created us in communion and in 
in this cohesion of, of groups. We're in family groups, we're in social groups, we're in cliques, we're in no neighborhood groups. And, you know, all of these things are because we desire and need that input from others. It's how we even recognize ourselves. You know, I can't see me. I can only see me through your eyes. So it's important for me to have really good, healthy people that I can see myself reflected in in a healthy way so I know what I'm really dealing with. Otherwise, I get this really twisted, skewed view, and I am not healthy. I can only see me through your eyes, which is part of the way that, that we get past the question I asked you earlier about how we know what in our head is a lie and what is the truth, right? Exactly. Because if I say it to you and you respond to me like, mm, no, that doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about that. Okay. Now that tells me heads up. I'm, I'm maybe I'm working with some misinformation here and that's, it's critical. And, but if I go to somebody who I know is going to jump on the bandwagon and grab the bat and start swinging with me, then I'm not going to get anywhere, right? Because they're going, yeah, yeah. And just like, I, if I'm angry, I'm righteously angry and they're going to support that. And well, that's not helping me. That's not helping me grow. It's not helping me challenge myself uh, to look for truth because I hate to tell you, but we all lie to ourselves on the regular. Um, and so we need really good quality people in our lives that we can check ourselves. Um, someone who's not afraid to hold us accountable and tell us the truth. So, I want to follow up on that because I think it's really important before we wrap up to talk about how we find safe people who can challenge us. But before we get to that, because that's probably going to be our last question, unless we get another one in the comments, I want to, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit. You talked about EMDR. What the heck is that? Like you don't know. EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Big mouthful. That's why we call it EMDR. It is one of several types of trauma treatment. It is uh, it's a specialty, specialized type of, of therapy. So it's not one of those any old therapist can do things. Um, more and more, though, there's been a huge push in the state of Arkansas, thanks to some wonderful people like my friend Gary Scarborough and Joel Archer and Melinda Taylor, um, who have really pushed to try to get EMDR known and spread through the state. Um, and because of their, their terrific work, especially Jill and Gary, because they're the trainers, um, and Joe Young, he's one of the trainers as well, um, because of the hard work that they've done, there are hundreds of EMDR therapists in Arkansas now. So it is easier to find us than it used to be, but it does require extra training and knowledge, but it is a processing technique. So that means we, we go to the stuck trauma. We go to the place where whatever the car wreck or whatever it is, is in, in our thoughts. And we, we carefully and appropriately reopen that emotional wound. And we allow the brain to actually process through it again correctly and put things away. And so then we're not just stuck with these uh, false beliefs of I'm not safe or I'm unlovable or whatever it is that our brain is treating like truth. You know, like we're at our core believing it's true. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm an unlovable person. Nobody can truly love me. Well, no, that's not really true because we know God loves us. And so all else falls to that. And, you know, we as human beings are all lovable creatures. 
Um, and so it's, it's a matter of reprocessing that and letting go of that negative belief and putting away all those traumatic things and coming out the other side with a, yes, this is an event that happened in my life. Yes, this is an event that deeply have impacted me, but it no longer controls me. And so I did that for myself with my sexual abuse. And, and I mean, it was a game changer. I went from having full body reactions that I could not control flashbacks and unwanted memories that I could not control to periodically a little discomfort and mm, yep no that's 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 related to the abuse okay moving on so now it's just a hmm, interesting let me check that it doesn't carry that weight for me anymore and EMDR is what set me free so it it helps you navigate the physical anxiety and the physical reactions of the emotional experience that's kind of still stuck in your head. Is that it, fair? It literally, yeah. I mean, it helps with the physical reactions. Um, it helps with the emotional reactions because we have emotional flashbacks. Sometimes we'll have an emotional overwhelming moment and no clue why we suddenly feel it. Well, it's because we smelled the perfume of that lady who did that thing way back, you know, whatever it is. So it helps with the emotional. It helps with the mental, those stuck cognitions, uh, the um, I'm not safe or, uh, I didn't do enough or whatever it is. It's not true. So it helps us get past those cognitions. It helps us get past the emotional and it helps us get past the physical. So it's literally a full body uh, treatment. Uh, it is research and evidence-based. It's very well researched and evidence-based. They use it with uh, veterans a lot with their PTSD. It's proven very effective there. Um, I do not have the current numbers in front of me. So I will not quote statistics because I don't, believe in making them up on the spot, but I do know that the numbers for it are higher than medication for treatment of PTSD. Wow. It's a really effective treatment. How do I know if it might be right for me? Do you have trauma? Talk to a therapist. Like those two things. If you have trauma and you have, you feel stuck or you feel like I can't seem to get past this and um, I'm sick and tired of talking about it, but I want to make it better. Uh, EMDR is a really good idea to, to check out. I don't, I don't think that there are like swaths of people that it's not right for. Individually, I can't say. I have run into a couple of people that their particular personal situation, um, we weren't successful with it right away. So I'm, tr I'm trying to be careful because this is literally talked about clients now. So, um, yeah. but there are other disorders that can sometimes get in the way. And so you have to address those disorders first so that, so that the EMDR has been safe to do and, and actually accessible and not more traumatic or, and that's why it's so important that you get a trained quality therapist to, to help you with that. Um, there are different levels of EMDR therapy trainers. So you have those who are on the Imdria website, EMDRIA.org. Um, so on Imdria, those are people who are fully certified. They've done a, above and beyond additional supervision and training. You know, they paid their dues quite literally. And so they're on that website and they're listed. And those are your cream of the crop therapists. Um, I'm not on Andrea because I've only recently gotten my LPC instead of LAC and, and you have to have that and then do these additional steps, but I just haven't done yet. So of those of us who are just below that level, we're fully trained that we've been through uh, two courses of training. We've done 10 hours of supervision 
and we've got hours of experience using EMDR. So that's, those are still really good quality therapists to, to tap into. And even for some who are, you know, in the process of getting their supervision completed, who are doing their training, you know, maybe they're a good place to, you know, you might want to be the person to help them in their experience and, and be that willing participant in their learning process. Um, I had a couple clients who did that for me, and I will be eternally grateful for them because I got to help them with some stuff that they were dealing with, but I also got that learning experience and they knew I was learning. And so it was okay. We were being, you know, obviously very transparent, but um, so, but you're looking for somebody who has the training and, and knows what they're doing, not, yeah, yeah, I've heard of this thing. I've read a little bit about it. Let's give it a shot. Like, no, that's not a good idea. So that's kind of one end of the spectrum for, for, um, treating trauma. So mm -hmm. let, let's kind of wrap up here. I know you've got to hop in the car and, uh, take a road trip. Um, let's get back to that other question. Like how all of us have dealt with some sort of a trauma or probably have some sort of trauma that we haven't dealt with. How do we find somebody safe to help us work through that? Whether it's just our tribe of people who, who will say, wait a minute, outrage is not a proper response here. Here's a proper response. I love you. I care about you. How do you find that tribe? And then how do you know when you really might need the hands of a pro like you. So for me, my um, sort of criteria when looking for people in my tribe, um, I'm looking for people who also have dealt with life experiences um, and that I've seen them handle it in a way that I respect. So the person who's blasting other people on Facebook and who's yelling from the rafters, but isn't actively doing anything with their life. And I know the chaos that they're living in. It's probably not going to be one of my people. Right. So, and I'm not saying use Facebook to screen anybody. Cause that, I think that's a, a false narrative in its own self, but, but uh, so you're looking for people who talk the talk and walk the walk. I'm also looking for people who are willing to call me out in love, who will say, I don't know that I agree with what you just said, or at least not how you said it. We need to talk about that a little bit more. Um, you and Haley and, you know, some of those, those early uh, first time round step study girls are, you know, y'all are part of my tribe. Y'all yeah. are the people who would do that for me. My best friend Lakin is one of those people for me. Like she has no problem calling me out. My husband has become one of those people for me. Um, who will, who will say, I think you're being a little overreactive right now. And he says it in a loving way. That's not going to push more buttons. Um, so those, those are some of the criteria for me. Someone willing to call me out in love, um, hold me accountable, but also who's, who's leading a life that I admire and respect and they're facing their own challenges in a healthy way. Um, as far as when do I think somebody needs to seek out a therapist? Um, are you breathing? You probably need, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, we all can benefit from it. You know, that's one thing I love about Kevin, our pastor is that he, you know, he's quick to say at different stages in life, we all could benefit from it, right? Um, so understanding that there is, there shouldn't be a stigma associated with getting help. Just like I'm going to take my daughter to the doctor for a medical condition and they're going to check out her brain. And we've had people check out our hearts. We need to let people check out our emotional self too. And that's okay. You know, you just want to make sure you get a good professional. 
um, as far as which therapist, like, man, it's so, it's so tricky because we all kind of mesh with different types. One of my friends had asked me for a referral. I sent them to somebody that I value as a human and I trust and I've met them and I know them. And then they got in that space with them and were like, uh, this is just not working for me. Their approach doesn't feel right to me. I, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. And I'm like, all right, let's switch gears. Let's go try this other person who's kind of the polar opposite and see if that's a better fit. And it was, it was a really good fit for them. Um, and so you're looking for somebody who one has the approach, the therapy, uh, therapeutic approach that suits you or that you, you know, if you know about stuff like that. So maybe you're looking for EMDR because you know you have trauma or you have, you're looking for somebody who specializes in anxiety or in depression or, uh, you know, some specific uh, struggle. Maybe, um, so kind of narrowing it down by that. I'll be honest, we all have to start with narrowing it down by a source of payment. So looking at your insurance list. Um, but don't be afraid to, to shop a little. You try one and it's not a good fit. Maybe give them two or three times to see if it was an off day or it was nerves or something. But I know it sucks to retell the, that biopsychosocial stuff again and again, but it beats staying stuck with a therapist you don't have rapport with. You really should feel a warm feeling of they get me or they accept me at the very least. Like, I'm okay here. I'm safe. No matter what I say, there's no judgment. Like that is paramount because there's a difference between challenging somebody and, and holding them accountable and judging them. My job is to hold you accountable. It is not to judge. So yeah. those are kind of the, the things I look for. Um, there are lots of, of places to go to look for lists of therapists to get some like comparison general idea like psychology today is one um but remember it's the people who pay to be on there that are on there it's not every therapist in your neighborhood um ask friends honest to goodness if people would just open up and share their experience with their therapist my best referrals come from people who've told others about me because those people are telling their friend who they are like that hey this person helped me and so they're going to come and they're going to be similar enough that we're going to still drive. They're still going to fit and be part of my tribe. Um, my best referrals have, have been people who were word of mouth referrals. So ask your friends, ask the people you know and trust. That first group of people we talked about, ask them, I need a therapist. Do you know any? And then again, what we're also doing when we do that is we are shaking off that stigma that says we can't talk about it. We have to do therapy in secret that we can't admit to anybody. We need help. What a load of yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. My soapbox just got a little taller. Sorry. No, it's good. Thank you. And um, I'm I'm gonna let you hit the road. I'll I'll leave us with a with a comment that uh, one of my other dear friends, Steve Austin, just wrote. Uh, T Dub. Now I see why you love Ada. This has been such an awesome conversation. Thank you for hosting this, and thanks Ada for sharing some of that hard won wisdom so Aww, um thanks, yeah Steven. i think he was sharing this in his uh in his catching your breath community so yeah awesome. you know we could totally the three of us just um have have a good time and and i think people might actually learn something if 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 we talk but um yeah thanks for hanging out and i can't express enough how much i love you guys and and the role that you all play in my family it's it's tremendous and 
when angry Tracy came through those doors for CR for the first time, God did me a really I seriously don't I know how I got so lucky that I get to call Ada Floyd and her entire family my friends. Uh, we're going to post Ada's professional information in the show notes. So if you have an interest in re- reaching out to her, you can do that uh, via the link that I'm going to put in those show notes. If you're interested in hearing more about Ada's personal story, you can check out Reboot's episode R004, Ada's husband Mason and her oldest son Jacob have shared their Reboots stories, CR008 and R022, respectively. If you enjoyed this episode, man, I would love it if you could leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, because it helps others like you find stories like this that offer hope and healing, even in the midst of great hardship. I'm Tracy Winchell, and we'll see you next time. We hope this episode has helped you in some way. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe someone you care about might benefit from the Reboots Podcast. It's easy to share from our website, rebootspodcast.com. The Reboots Podcast is a production of Winchell Storyworks Incorporated, a company dedicated to helping businesses and individuals know, share, and live their stories in order to impact the world around us in a positive way and to achieve financial freedom.